You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. Ancient podcast and radio secret. When you don't have anything to talk about, you make you do all the work. Welcome to the Massive Report podcast. We are back at our spiritual home here, Saucy Brewworks at Third and Harris, or Third and Michigan at Harrison West. The fellows are enjoying their brewskis. What, what do we got here? This is the uh, separate checks. Checks being, you know, like uh, pills. The Czech Republic or whatever, like whatever that country. Czechoslovakia. Is. Very clever. Well, I don't. It's Czechoslovakia is not. That's like the '90s era country. Right. It's no longer the I'm Czech the old Republic. Here is supposed to make. I believe it's called Czechia. Czechia. I don't really know. Sounds like a goalkeeper for the, played for sure, Arsenal. Sure, why not? Yeah, right, I, I, about, you know, yeah. someone can tweet at me and do it later. But yeah, it's fabulous, fabulous, and and I and I appreciate double entendre and, and uh, puns of all kinds as that, well. That draws you in. Yeah. Big oh, fan. what do you got there, Murph? Uh, it's a juicy ASAP NW something. Right. I forget what Fair the enough. full name was. A lot of day drinking for you today. There was some day drinking. Yeah. Fortunately, Ohio State did not name a starting quarterback today, so my day didn't drastically uh-huh. change. Okay. And Manchester United with their opener, they struggled with Wolves. They gave me a sweat there. Might have had a few, uh, few jelly beans on that one. <laughs> and they got the clean sheet, so they I did. get the win. Go, Brian. Go me. Glory, glory, Brian You know United. what? I got to be honest with you. Had I not had any jelly beans on that, I would have been rooting for Wolves. I like a good underdog. That doesn't surprise they me. They played hard. They did. That's probably all they got, though. At least we're talking about a black and gold team here. We are. Well, let's talk up. about our black and gold team. We've opened the mailbag, uh, and we're going to answer some uh, answer some questions here from social media. Sam's behind the controls. That's Murph. That's Brett. I'm Brian. Let's get started. Adam asked, do you anticipate Nagby being re-signed on presumably a Max Tam deal for 2024 or Gulp not brought back? If either, toward what position do you think the team would target their third DP slot? This is the the, the Gulp option for me. Um, I do not see Darlington Nagby coming back. At uh, all? Not even... At all, not even a as little not, bit. As a non-DP, non-DP. Even? I don't think I don't I don't necessarily see him in the long-term plans of this team. I think it, I, I would love to see him come back, but I would be a little bit surprised to see any sort of um, non-DP um, and maybe even a reduced role kind of contract. I think there's still plenty of years left in those legs. But the the big part of this is. Um, how much you know D wants to keep keep it rolling, and and so I think it, on some level it, the the ball might be in his court a little bit. Um, I know that they're he and the family they're they're they love being back in Ohio and and that's really important to them. But uh, I'd be a little bit surprised. I, I I don't I'm not gonna throw the R word out there, um, but I would not be surprised if that's on his radar, so to speak. The R word being retirement. He's yeah, only you, what thirty two. Right? No, he's, he's uh, 33. Yeah. He is exactly one year younger than I am. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I love for him to come back. Excuse me. I would, you know, kind of welcome in with, you know, open arms and then some. Uh, but I'd be a little bit surprised if he was. To answer the other part of that question, then. So if they don't bring Darlington back, I think then you probably use that money to replace Darlington, right? 
I mean, are you going with a midfield of Aiden Morris and Sean Zawatsky? I think that Aiden and Sean are similar, two similar players, and you lose what you get from Darlington. But you're assuming that Aiden Morris... That's that's the crux of the whole conversation yeah. to me. Is It's a Darlington-Nagby contract question, but it's an Aiden Morris transfer But I'm, I'm question, with Brett. Really. I think that I don't think Darlington-Nagby comes back because of how he fits in Nancy's... How Nancy wants to play probably moving forward. I mean, he's going to play with three forwards, we assume, starting mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, but yes, it could be a short term of... Aiden Morris and, I, and, and Sean Zawatsky, but you also have Isaiah Parente. And if, if Aiden Morris gets sold or transfers or whatever, then you're spending Darlington's money and Aiden's money to bring in a DP in that spot probably. But I, I think then you are really looking at a DP. Okay, is Sean ready to step in and be a starter? Maybe. But you still need... Because Isaiah Parente isn't a center center midfielder. No. He's in he wants to be an attacking midfielder or more attacking midfielder than Advanced either of those. Midfielder, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So I honestly I think it depends on what you can work out with Darlington because I, to your point, I don't think Darlington is ready to hang it up. No. I think that they want to be in Central Ohio or in Ohio and not in Cincinnati because oh, I don't say. think that makes sense for them based on where Darlington's from and whatnot. And Look, if you can make it work years and money-wise, I could certainly see Darlington. Like, I don't think... The issue is that the contract would be front-loaded. If I was Darlington Nagby's agent, I yeah, would yeah. be asking for the, the, the biggest, the max amount possible that would be under DP buy-down level. Um, but in that first probably two... If not the first year... First two years, for sure. Well, I mean, I don't think and, you sign more of it than a two-year deal. Yeah, right. so what I'm saying is the... Is it in the crew's best interest to 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 have a front-loaded contract for a 34-year-old, uh, you know, kind of, you know, possession demid, right? When you have guys who are making about a third of what he has, what he's making, actually less than that, Um it's, uh, while the Champions League is playing on violin, <laughs> it does the sound Champions like that. Le- it, it literally is um, the the Champions League, which is sung in four different languages. For those of you who don't know, um, but the uh, um, what, <laughs> that's so distracting. I can't get it really over. Really is now. Uh, I can only hear that. It's so great. The um, but yeah, the when you have when you have guys that you that you've invested in in terms of depth pieces, is it time to to give them the kind of the reins, right? That, I think, is the question, I think, for Wilford Nancy. And I think we, in some ways, he's tipped his hand a little bit in this and that he, his his interest and eagerness in playing the kids um, from day one, I think, kind of signals intent here, especially when it comes to that position, especially. I think they really, really like what Sean Zawadzki has to offer. Um, and, and, and then for me, that final D, DP spot, I don't know what Julian Gressel looks like. Um, it's probably too much to, to say that he's like a DP caliber player. I, I think that's probably kind of beyond his his like um, kind of value to the team. But I would be looking to sign him long term and make him make him a mainstay on that right side. Uh, and then if you still have a tag, 
maybe maybe it's a winger. Maybe you free up some of the U22 initiative stuff there as well. I'm not really sure, but uh, I do, I would I would not be the biggest fan of signing a DPD mid. I think that's a waste of a spot. I would be interested to see how, because there's another question that's going to come up later about what happens if the league adds a fourth DP well, slot. Well, that was where I was yeah. going next. And and then I think if that does happen, I think that actually changes the plan of how they proceed moving forward. Which is um, to, to kind of backfill or backstory that kind of rumor that's been going around. That's, that is the rule change that Jorge Moss, the owner of uh, Inner Miami, has been pushing hmm. what a surprise. hardcore. Yeah, weird. Why would he huh. do what that for an extended period of time? Because the way um, some of this roster stuff works, that that fourth DP spot would allow them to move Gregory, who is technically the third DP of Inner Miami, even though Homeboy is absolutely not. Uh, well, to and, then and they have who? Which of the two is not a DP? Technically, which Jordi Alba is, is not, not a DP. Sergio Busquets is is one. Messi two. And it's Gregory given is the three. amount of money he was making. But what what that fourth DP spot? They would then buy Senna, down, yeah. move Gregory, buy down a contract, and then that fourth spot would be reserved for Luis Suarez, theoretically, who has said that he, you know, he and Leo Messi are boys. They want to play together before Suarez what retires. A weird combination, by the way. Yeah, I mean, um, I know they played together previously, but so. That is that. That's kind of the the backstory as to why that fourth DP spot. Which, by the way, there seems to be a lot of fire where that smoke is. Uh, that's kind of where that whole kind of thing originates. Drew, I appreciate the question. That was yours, and we want to give you credit. Um, kind of stepping off from that topic, Kevin asks if there were further changes to the cap, or maybe eventually no cap. How well would this organization be positioned for success? Is there, is there a push to eliminate the cap altogether? Well, so it's interesting to ask about that in the current climate in terms of soccer that we're in. Because if, if you know anything about what European soccer is doing right now, there's this financial fair play stuff that leagues have and Europa or uh, UEFA, UEFA has. Yeah. Sorry, Europa League. That's fine. UEFA, yeah. You're good. Um, and it's the been. Champions if you're listening League. to this podcast, yeah. Yeah. You, you get it. The it's Champions right. League music just threw you off. Right, right. Which, yeah, but it's right. so this has been a big topic um, among a number of teams. You mentioned the Wolves Manchester United game. Well, Wolves can't buy players because they can't afford them because financial fair play is geared towards keeping limits on Manchester United, Manchester City, things like that. So like. As the rest of the world is shifting towards what is kind of a salary cap in terms of like not letting teams overspend, does MLS move the opposite direction? Mm. Um, I think it is better for MLS, and I say this as someone who lives in Columbus, so take this for what it is. I think someone maybe in Los Angeles or Miami would have a different answer, but like I think it's more beneficial for MLS to keep a salary cap and maybe expand it or go to a fourth DP, you know, whatever, because I do think that this league is interesting because it still provides parity. And taking a salary cap away altogether, while I do think the crew are better positioned than they would have been in the past, given the Haslam's financials, uh, I don't think it complete. I think it hurts more teams than it helps. Brian from Westerville, Ohio, happens to be <laughs> sitting at this table, asks, uh, the Saudis are spending money like there's no tomorrow. 
that is going to affect the economics of the game all over the world. How much does that affect MLS's thoughts about salary cap, knowing that they have to compete against a, a league that has deeper pockets than anyone? Okay. Um, so, 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 do, we have so do we want to talk there. about the Southern Wealth, the, 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 the Saudi Arabian Southern Sovereign Wealth Fund and then the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, which well, are two I, different funding I, yeah, arms I don't, I, of this two-headed monster? I don't care monster. about the, the, where the money's coming from with this question. I just know it's there. And how is it going to affect the game going forward, particularly MLS? So, so here's kind of the, the – there's some – this is going to turn into we're going to get into the weird weeds here for for a minute but so so what we're talking about is the the Saudi league and the handful of teams that are in the Saudi Arabian soccer league that are funded by the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia what i'm going to call the pif that's the pif okay which is headed up by yasser al maramayan who might have like the greatest resume of anyone in the world he's the chairman of uh, of the PIF, he's on boards of everything, Uber and all this other crap. The man is a mover and a shaker, and then some. And the whole point of this, the whole point of this um, venture, which is uh, gotten into Formula One, and they they are essentially a huge funding arm of Formula One into. Uh, professional golf with the live tour and wrestling um, but with absolutely with wrestling they and, and now and in, MMA into into oh, UFC yeah. and also now into kind of the global soccer world the whole point of this venture which is part of this initiative from uh, the, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia the vision 2040 fund um, an initiative which, which is essentially to open Saudi Arabia's gates into Western commerce to be able to rub elbows with C-suites across Western commerce, you know, across the country. And for the most part, that's been relatively successful. It's a bit of a sports washing exercise, but that's a whole separate podcast. We don't need to get into that. Um, but they, it's too bad we don't have Bart here for this specific question. But they've been they've been really successful with that. Formula One is absolutely they've that that, that investment has absolutely been returned on and then some. Uh, yet to be seen a little bit with the professional golf stuff, but I think for the most part they've done okay. The wrestling has been an unquestioned success uh, for them, and and I think with with Cristiano Ronaldo and some other guys, Colo uh, and Golo Kante, guys now, uh, Sadio Mane, Mane, there's a huge Benzema. yeah, there's a huge Neymar. influx of kind of tier Neymar. one guys in their prime that are playing in this league. Um, that is a huge influential factor. They are going to be. So the the move with some of these PIF funded teams, which are, by the way, are not um, Southern Wealth Fund teams, right? So like the Lucas Zellerayan, where he's going, which is owned by the Ministry of Sport of Saudi Arabia, that's a Sovereign Wealth Funded team. This is not PIF. That's a different thing. Um, they what they've essentially been doing is they've been going to players' agents and saying. Lucas Zellerion, you make X, you make $1.5 million a year. I want to pay you $4 million a year. Lucas Zellerion goes, absolutely, that this sounds fantastic. This is hypothetical, Just okay? Lucas Zellerion goes, that sounds freaking awesome. And then goes to the Columbus crew and says, I have a $4.5 million contract offer. I would like to leave. And then using that leverage essentially buys down the transfer fee number for Lucas 
via the Columbus crew. That's going to be a problem. And I think there's going to be, be it UEFA um, and then the corresponding kind of domestic, you know, regional agencies are going to have to be aware of that because that that's kind of nasty business that I don't really love. Uh, but that's exactly what happened. Jordan Henderson is a good example of a guy where that they, they essentially tried to, to, to force Liverpool's hand with a free transfer. Um, there are a couple other guys as well. Well, and there's the Jordan Henderson one's an interesting example, and I know we're kind of getting off topic of that, but I'll, I'll circle the square here in a second. Yeah, Continue. but the a lot of Jordan Henderson, a big LBGTQIA plus. Uh, okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to get that wrong. You're fine, but uh, like big, big for that in England, and there have been a lot of guys in MLS who have been big on on those things, and obviously. Saudi Arabia has its laws against uh, being gay and, and other being things. Being a woman, being a know, woman is, going is to very the hard. Games. Yep. So, D, or, uh, sorry, Jordan Henderson uh, got a lot of flack. I mean, not flack is the wrong word. A lot of shit yeah. for going there, mm-hmm. and he didn't even take like the major money. Yeah. Um, so I. I would be interested as this continues. I have thoughts after Bretson, so continue. So there are obviously a lot of social social issues that come on come into sure. play with this, right? And then there's also the geopolitical side of this, which is Saudi Arabia being the United States' most important ally. There are you know there are military bases. You probably don't want to piss off the Saudi Arabians in terms of that relationship from a from a kind of a governmental geopolitical level as well. All of it is connected in some way. It's a, it's a little bit of chess checkers. Or, you know, in, in my case, where, you know, I'm, I'm playing tiddlywinks or whatever it might be. Or, uh, this, is a, this is a soccer podcast. But the, but the Saudis are the, the Saudis are a huge and influential pa- factor in the global transfer market. Now, how that is how that affects MLS? Well, we've already seen it with this team, right? We've already seen it with Columbus in terms of when that Saudi money hits. It's a very real thing, and it's very hard for players to turn it down. It's generational wealth, right, is what we're talking about. Yeah. Now, um, in terms of that uh, forcing MLS's hand in, you know, essentially opening opening up the capitalism floodgates and no cap and all of that, I think that would be the biggest and worst, the biggest disaster and the worst move Major League Soccer could ever make, because of the hyper local, hyper partisan nature of the league. The fact that there's, you know, there's no, you know, when I made the joke before, there's no Rob Lowe in the stands wearing the MLS logo. And like, man, I love, I was in Sporting Kansas City a couple weeks ago. Now I'm checking out Charlotte. Like that person doesn't exist. And if you, if you take away the league's biggest asset, which in my mind is the fact that that last week of February, you still have a relatively decent chance when that season begins, you still have a relatively decent chance of winning a trophy. Uh, and then if you get it right towards the end of the season and then come postseason time, new postseason kind of format yet to be seen, you can go out and win MLS Cup as well. If you take away that parity, I think MLS has some big problems, regardless of all the big names that, that certain owners might be able to bring in. To circle the square to this, the other factor in this is when you consider what MLS ownership means across the league, especially amongst owners who own other teams. We've talked a little bit about this on the podcast in terms of the tax incentives, and that's the the word incentives there is a euphemism. 
of owning a second team and what that means in terms of pumping money into an asset that appreciates more than the money that you pumped into. If you all of a sudden force owners who maybe own this second team as essentially a Jimmy my, my word tax haven, the owner of Atlanta, yeah, etc. Um, if you essentially turn it into an arms race where the tax incentives of owning a second team are maybe reduced, that's also a major yeah, plot problem. Is, uh, and I would guess, I, I would guess, Don Garber and the kind of the MLS C-suite know that more than anything else. And that's probably the biggest handcuff or the biggest governor on this whole thing as, right. as we know it. Fair enough. The only, the only thing I will add to this, <clears throat> which is the cultural perspective, is that the Saudis are going after the known names that yeah. have played and dazzled in Europe and maybe even in other leagues. They're not after the new up-and-comers that still haven't made a name from themselves. They're not after whether it's in the U.S. or in Europe or whatever. So the U.S. being a retirement league is possible for a lot of really good players. But those elite players are always going to get thrown a shit ton of money to go to Saudi Arabia as their retirement league. It'll be fascinating to watch how it influences Champions League right. teams, Champions League caliber teams across Europe, because it's they're they're going to start pulling guys that you had like, like, why in the hell is this guy disappeared for two years like oh that's because he made he made you know 65 million dollars for for you know having a kick and giggle for 12 months i think something to consider and i know that we think about these this new you know the saudi wealth situation is like unlimited money but look which by the way will the 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 public investment fund of saudi arabia by the end of this year will exceed a trillion dollars and so this is my point is how long do you just do this? Because we know MLS, Apple TV, we've, we've heard talked about, if people don't decide to tune in to watch these games, which I think is still very much a toss-up, and like I still think with, you know, Apple TV has doubled with Messi, the subscriptions with Messi on it, but we don't know what doubled means, you right? You say doubling of 20 is yeah. still 40, So, right? like, the thing is, if people don't all of a sudden... And it's not just, like, streaming it on your computer. That's a bad joke. I apologize. Mea culpa. But, like, streaming it on your computer through some random website doesn't count. If if people aren't paying or watching through some mean, like, legal means to watch these stars in Saudi Arabia, these owners are going to get out. Like, there's no point in it of owning these teams if it's not then bringing money back in unless you just want to be a soccer owner, which I I don't get the opinion. Did I not just see that Fox picked up the Saudi League? Right, but if, if people don't care enough to get up in the middle of the night to watch these games... Well, they're going to they're gonna adjust their schedule. Well, it's, the, only, it's only a seven-hour time difference. And the other thing, too, is that... It took the EPL a long time to catch on in yeah, the United States. that's true. And I realized that soccer Starting is Starting from bigger. a very different point. Correct, from. correct. But I'm just saying, like, there's established teams now... Look, okay, of these guys, and I know we've, we've kind of transitioned here, but, like, of these guys, you know... Most people have seen Cristiano Ronaldo play a bazillion times. Most people have seen Kareem Benzema win Champions League. Yeah. So do you need to get up and watch them play in a lesser league at 6, 7 a.m. in the morning? I don't know. I, some people might. Some people don't. Now, we're just talking about American timeline or time time difference. In Europe, it'll be easier. Yeah. So maybe people do. But I'm just saying I don't know if this is a sustainable thing, if this league continues to do it. Also, I want to just point out real quick. You look at a team like Chelsea, who 
there were some questions about their connections to the Saudi League through stuff. But the ability to offload players and make your money back to those places, and I don't want to say that's what happened with Lucas Elrion because the crew weren't trying to offload yes. Lucas Elrion, but as we talked about last week, the situation became, okay, we have this offer for this younger guy who we think maybe fits us better. We know what we can, how much we need to make to buy him. Okay, we have this offer from Saudi for our, you know, so there is now this fairly untapped market that's willing to pay some decent amount of money, and I think this could affect MLS in a, in a positive sense, not necessarily a change the salary okay. cap type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Watch, watch, watch what's going to happen. Uh, what's, what's, this is 23, probably not the summer of 24, but watch starting in 25. I bet you the Saudi teams will start doing U.S. tours against European teams. Yeah, that I don't, I don't th- disagree with you, but does that raise enough? Do people care enough? Well, the, so that, that implies, and this is kind of a, the overarching theme of the whole Saudi venture, and, and that implies that the point of all of this is to make money for these specific teams, exhibition. which is actually not the it's, point. It's glorified exhibition. You're right. The point is to sports wash Saudi Arabia's sure. human rights abuses in terms sure. of normalizing that culture uh, mm-hmm. and that way of life amongst Western commerce. Absolutely. That's the point. Yeah, it's a That's lo- the point it's with a loss, It's a loss lead. Yeah, so so the, the they if, if we're looking at it in terms of being in the red or being in the black, it's a it's a zero sum game. Yeah, that's irrelevant. The, the, the point is to normalize the, the 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 human rights abuses of Saudi Arabia. To, to just straight up answer the question, I don't think that specific thing changes MLS. I think the growing mm-hmm. world yeah. landscape of soccer potentially changes MLS. And you look at what you're competing directly against now in Mexico with Liga MX. Okay, and the league has done well there in this turn this League's Cup tournament, but. Can we become Liga MX seems or join with Liga MX seems to be the trajectory that Major, Major we'll League Soccer is on. Pac-12. There you go. Larry Scott, the new commissioner. Well, I'll tell you, the Saudis are going to have to figure out how to generate some revenue because beer sales are off. <laughs> just, just really low. Maybe the Saudis should buy the Pac-12 or Pac-4. All right, one they more might. mailbag question for now, and then we'll hit some more later. Jeremy... How nervous should crew fans be about Nazi leaving in the near future for a job in Europe? His development the past few years has has to have drawn interest from some European teams. Thank you, Jeremy. That's a great question. So I, I do think that's a really good question uh, and not a question that hasn't come up among media folk. I think, okay, so how many... MLS managers, can you name that have gone over to Europe? Bob Bradley. <laughs> that bell went off right when I it. said it, too. And he lasted a week, so, I think. So, Bob, uh, Chris, Armis. Does um, he even count? Yeah. Where did I he manage? He, he was at United um, under uh, what's his name? I, for, I had to black that whole year out of my brain. Um... We're talking about like guys Je- who Jesse Marsh, Jesse yeah, Marsh. Jesse obviously. We're talking about guys who were managers at MLS who then became like the yeah, head guy. Over, that's the thing is, Ooh. my point is, it's just there aren't that there many. aren't that many. Yeah. So like well, those jobs are hard to get. I don't think that leagues over there. He's French though, not American. Agreed, but leagues over there aren't looking at MLS necessarily 
unless they've had a previous relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, because he's what he's doing is interesting and exciting. I think you have I think you have to win big, especially in a market like Columbus, where people aren't seeing it all the time. They, they don't want to have to answer questions like, why did you bring a guy over from North America? It's it's much easier especially to if say he's no. never won anything. And when you mm-hmm. look at the, the world of managers, the same names keep getting recycled. Crystal Palace yep. brought back uh, 75-year-old. Yeah, uh, just fought a guy inside them the other day. Uh, you know what the, I'm talking um, about. Uh, it's all right. Harry Redknapp? No? Who am I thinking of? You know what of? I'm talking about. Um, That's all that matters. Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson. Roy. Legendary Roy's name. Roy's our boy. But, yeah, I mean, the, the same names keep getting recycled. Yeah. It's much easier to sell that to your supporters. I think it's more interesting or more concerning within MLS like do you know Toronto the Galaxy you know if if he continues to he was a hot name already this offseason with mm-hmm. the two years in Montreal mm-hmm. and the crew did a great job of getting him in and getting him here if he has success if they make a couple deep playoff runs this style continues to, to work um Look, frankly, if the crew continue to sell out because some parts of that are fans are coming and seeing entertaining product, right? It's not just, you know, because it's not always been wins. I mean, it has been mostly at home. But uh, so, you know, do if, if the Galaxy continue to flounder, do then they come in and, like, try and poach Nancy in two or three years? Or Red Bulls? You know, Red, I, yeah. Like, I was going to say the, the, the thing for me, it's a, it's a time frame kind of way of looking at this in the short term no I would not worry about yeah, him I agree um, and he also seems to very much like Columbus yeah the other thing too is I think it I, I think it depends ex- on, not exclusively but I think explicitly on his relationship with with Bez and the ownership um, which seems to be good and which which by all accounts seems to be really good um, the fact that they not only were willing but eager to take what what I thought was a really good team on paper and and fundamentally alter it um, in a much shorter window than I would have ever imagined. Um, so I think there's I think they bought uh, and garnered some loyalty from Nancy, um, and I think and so I think that's a good thing uh, in the long term. I I would say and and agree that I think. Um, it's uh, MLS and then Liga Mekis is probably the two big ones in terms of potentially him going somewhere uh, because you know coaches' salaries aren't part of the whole deal, right? Like the insert random team here could pay him basically however much he wants, right? So there might be some of that later on down the line, but within the window of um what I would call this this crew team's kind of um, ability to win now, he'll be the manager for, for that time. Well, and I also think, and this goes back to kind of what I was saying last week about when we were talking Don Garber, the crew aren't a small fish anymore. I mean, they're in a, not a big market, but they they have owners who are going to, you know, if I think if they really liked Nancy and Aliga MX-E's, you call you, you say whatever you want. Team came yeah. in and offered him a, a contract that you know substantially raised him, but he'd done very well here, and they wanted to keep him. 
I think that they would make, you know, I, I don't think they would hesitate to make it worth his while to stay in Columbus. Yeah, um, and I think they will continue to back him. I think, look, I don't think any of us coming into the year expected them to go out and sign a new designated player this year. He found a designated player, he and the rest of the staff, I don't want to just put it, found a designated player that they thought they really liked and made sense for them. They went and got him, to your point, that they are there. So, you know, I think it would take something for Wilfred Nancy to move, like it did Columbus. Yeah. The, the chance to come to a team that had built this brand new stadium, that had this state-of-the-art training facility when he's in Montreal and they're working between two stadiums and the training stuff isn't as, as good, you know, I mean, he recognizes the opportunity of his career, and this was a very good next step. Now, you know, if we're talking seven, eight years, how many crew coaches have lasted that long? Not very many, if any. So, but in the short term, I agree with you, Brett. I I don't see any change happening soon. Good. I'm I'm glad for that answer. Um, We'll have some more mailbag questions later. We'll go from Twitter to Facebook, and then maybe back to Twitter again. Whatever you need to do. Love that. Oh, I'm sorry. X. X. Let's let's just I'm, let's make know. it a massive report podcast policy. Let's just call it Twitter okay. until until <laughs> like good. something drastic changes. Where we I, mean, I, I still like, like, I don't even know what to call tweets. I still like posts. I look at, I look at my phone still. I Confused. go okay. I need to open Twitter, yeah. and I'm still like passing over it ten times Agreed. before I go. Oh yeah, that's the lousy logo. All right, hell is real. Part two. This coming Sunday, 7.30 at Lower.com. Uh, the first game in the series was when? May? April? I don't know. It was 3-2. It was a fascinating game. I could tell you, but the MLS uh, schedule, once you play the game, it doesn't right. have doesn't the... doesn't show the, up. It doesn't have the... That's, I can find it here. It was in May, roughly the middle of May. Yes, it was. I don't remember. 3-2 loss. We fell behind 2-0, came back and drew level, and then gave up a stupid goal at the end, and that was the end of that. Uh, July, just before League's Cup, which Cincinnati was knocked out in penalties by Kansas City. I don't know if we draw any meaning from Not that. Kansas City. Oh, no, they did advance, didn't they? Yeah. Who knocked them out? Uh, they lost to Hold on. one of the Mexican teams. Nashville. Uh, oh, they lost to Nashville. You're right. Yes, they right, lost right. to Nashville. I'm sorry. They lost to Nashville in penalties. Same night the crew lost. 1-1, one, one, and that was the end of that. Um, but, you know, you don't know who's playing, who's not playing. I hadn't followed their saga in League's Cup. Before the tournament break, it seems like they kind of hit a little bit of a lull. Now, granted, tough New England team. They drew 2-2 in July. Drew 2-2 with Charlotte. Did beat Red Bulls 2-1, to one, did thump Nashville 3-1. to one. And as we said, you know, came within a penalty shootout of losing to, to a not a great Kansas City team in Leeds Cup as well. And we've talked a lot about how uh, regression, and regression can be positive or it can be negative, mm-hmm. how regression of the negative sort is coming at some point to this club, right, Brett? Yeah, I mean, we we I said it a couple times over the this season that uh, they remind me a little bit of what we saw from Josh Wolf and Austin last year, where it felt like every kind of half 
chance has gone in. Do you think Austin's, or I'm sorry, Cincinnati's GM next year will say that last year was a fluke? Yeah, which is awesome, by the way. I encourage you to look that up. Um, yeah, we're the the new the new GM of Austin basically said came from Manchester City. They're, no, so they're nowhere close, which is very sweet. Um, but the uh, yeah, the, they've regressed uh, a little bit. But I do think the 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 big thing for me with them when I watch them is. There's a very clear purpose to what they're doing, which was not always the case when they kind of no. had the revolving door of unproven European managers and this random, you know, kind of assortment of people. The guy uh, that looked like the front man of the band Midnight Oil. <clears throat> That's a very obscure reference. I don't get that at all. Really? But I'll Look take it, it up. For the bald guy. <clears throat> Yop Stam. Yeah, that's the guy. Um, Former Manchester United defender. Who, uh, was who, incorrectly identified. That was an yeah, old guy team. reference there, was, by the way. Thank yeah. you very much. The Yap Stam, who would, the only way he would communicate to refs is when he thought someone was offside, which was every single time someone was, like, usually on the line. Um, which is awesome. But the, the, they're still really good, um, even though that I think they've regressed a little bit, but I, the big thing for me is that they've raised their floor. They've they, they're they're like kind of bare minimum output. I think is is about as good as uh, as you could maybe possibly have in MLS. Um, the they some of their some of the the some of the new guys on the team and then I think with Lucio Acosta as well they, they those guys are playing at a level that just doesn't feel unsus- that, that feels relatively unsustainable Even Acosta, to me he's a nice player yeah i mean he's ex- what i'm saying is that the, the, the at some point like there's no way you can the the some of the 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 chance creation numbers from him are just outrageous they're they're just outrageous that there's no way and then the conversion rates on top of that okay. there's just no way that the the that 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 those could continue or they're just gonna run away with it and they're gonna they're gonna murder everybody um, but the the big thing for me with them is that they they um, I love the way that this crew team matches up. Especially with the fact that the the crew have gotten better in terms of width, um, what Julian Gressel offers them, I think is it forces Cincy to 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 basically um, rein in Barial on the left side. He can't get forward to the same degree that that he has been all year because he has to mind Gressel. He can't essentially be the left wing back that's playing striker that he has been now for the majority of the season. So I love that matchup. I think that's something to kind of keep an eye on their left side versus the crew's right side uh, and what that means. Um, their size is is still impressive. They're huge. They're just a massive yeah, team. That's a matchup and, problem um, And I think so you gotta you got to keep an eye out on set pieces. It's got to be a little bit of um, – uh, for me, it's got to be a finesse game. I think it's got to be sexy for the for the crew to be successful. It's got to feel very finessey and flowing and 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 um, like high quality kind of soccer all over the place. Because if it gets a little goony, that's where I think Cincy can really get out and pinch it, especially on a set piece goal. I mean, I think you saw, and this speaks exactly to what you're saying, in that game in Cincinnati, exactly how Cincinnati wins a game and the crew win the game. Right. They get up 2-0 on some bad plays. A bad penalty taking, and a turnover, take, yeah, right? taking advantage of chances and things like that. The crew come back, play some very nice soccer, get the game back level. Cincy takes advantage of, of a mistake by Patrick Schulte. And 
to me, I mean, there was a period in that game that the crew played, I won't say the best they've played all season, but maybe the best they've played on the road all season. Just in a short stretch, not, you know, from from when they started that comeback until yeah. probably... You know, a little bit before Patrick Schulte had the had the mistake. They came um, out slow, and that's it. We absolutely. cannot do that on yeah. Sunday. Well, and I mean, it, I think difference. You know, you're, you're playing on the road that time. It's a hostile environment. Well, I was there. That place is rocking. They'll have the home crowd for this game. I hate that it's a Sunday. The, the atmosphere last year was great. That it's when it was a Sunday, but just like from a tailgating and everything perspective, back to back years, the crew have been effed on not having that Saturday night game that since he's had. Um, and also I think it's unfortunate because I think more Cincy fans would come up yeah. on a Saturday night and make a better back to back or, you know, back and forth atmosphere, which was the case in TQL. Um, I think the biggest question heading into this game from a crew perspective is what, what is the role of Diego Rossi yeah. in this game, right? So he's been here for a little over a week at this point. You have just under a week, so he'll be roughly two weeks. If I'm, I'm just guessing, I don't think he starts. I, I think don't think he does either. The, what we've learned from Wilfred Nancy this year is he's been very slow. Look how long Shaburko's been in here yeah. before he makes his first start. Now, Gressel was a different situation. I think positionally... Um, it made sense. Plus, it was Leaks Cup, so like, you can kind of throw him out there and look, go out there, run up and down the way, and cross the ball. Now, I think you can make the argument as a forward, go out there and just you know try and fit in. And he will have two weeks of practice. But to me, we talked about this last week. How do you? Who do you take off the field? I think you probably go with Matan, Cucho, and Ramirez up top to start, and then you have this guy if you need him to come in and make an impact, which could be huge. Well, and his match fitness is probably not yeah. 100%. Right. The Turkish yeah. League adheres to the same schedule as the rest of right. Europe. Correct. So, yeah, he was in preseason. So the, the other thing, too, with that is I think there is something to also be said for both the, the consistency in form that that front three is in in terms of goal scoring, you probably don't want to disrupt that as much as you possibly can. Now, obviously, there's a third of that has been removed from the equation, but the two, two of the the, the remaining two are still moving. And well, and, and Matan's right been now. involved. I mean, he right. scored against Minnesota, and he was involved right. against Club America. So I think there's there's some continuity there that I I feel like. Uh, uh, Nazi really values. I think it's something yes. that he feels very strongly He's a real about. Chemistry, chemistry guy. is yeah. huge, right? So um, I could see. The, that introduction, especially with some of the pressing nuances that he's asked, he's going to ask Rossi to do because Lucas did not and was not able to or willing to do. Um, that I think so the, the introduction will be gradual and, and, and somewhat slow. The I other think he thing comes that, in as okay. an earlier sub. Like instead of waiting until the 80th minute, I think we might see. Yeah, him, like, he definitely in the won't 60th come in late. It'll be yeah. well, if you need yeah. him. If you're yeah. a, if you need right. two nothing and you're controlling the game, no, you know you can bring him, him in the 75th. Let him get his intro. Um, I do think that, well, while we're on the topic of him, I know he did the intro at the airport. I would bring him out, regardless of whether he's dressed. I assume yeah. he'll be dressed. I would have him, as shortly before the game's going to start, have him introduce the whole stadium, get that place going because of that introduction. They should have him do the shot on Crew Cat. 
Yeah, the, before the, the game. Uh, yeah. Steal it from just the, the military guy. From just a little kid. Crew cat's yeah. head yeah. right off. No, but I, I mean, honestly, I've seen, you see it around the world when they bring out these, and usually the guy's not playing that game, right? But right. they just haven't had that opportunity. If if you have, like, why not? Just have him come out. He can be in his warm-up kit. You know, I really like that too because you're not disrupting any of the right. like start yeah. routine of any of the starters right. if you do um, that too. So I, I dig it. You made the point about height. Yeah. I will be very interested to see what this back line looks like because you've got Rudy Camacho who can play. He knows Wilfred Nancy's system. Not, not he's not cup tied anymore. No. He's right. left Montreal. Yep. Okay, he's, good. By all accounts in Columbus, he's been training with the team when they've trained. He knows Nancy's system. To me, that's a no brainer. Stick him in there and play. Now, maybe Wilfried goes with this backline that we've seen. I think you're asking for issues if you go with Sean Zawatsky in the middle. And again, that's not an issue on Sean Zawatsky. He's just not a center back. I think what'll be interesting is that left center back position too. Shaburko, as we talked about last week, not the best first start. Seems like he's still adjusting to that physicality of MLS play. You're certainly going to see gonna that. And this is going to be a physical match. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you stick with Yao at wing back and, and Amundsen at left center back. Amundsen, who played, I think he was at wing back for the first game, right, when he scored the, the goal against Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Marrera is definitely a lock on that back line. Um, you can't take him out of the lineup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. But Gressel, who, by the way, underrated in terms of height as well. Yes, absolutely. Tall guy. Uh, so... I think it just, I don't know. I think it will be interesting because what, what is uh, Camacho? Like six-foot-ish? I would say maybe an inch or two taller than me. I'm about six feet tall. Okay. So, um, I think he's listed at 6'2". But. I think 6'2 with cleats on, which is just fine. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, for a, for a game like that, you know, I know, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to predict what Wilfried's going to do because every time I think I have a grasp on – Especially with that backline, what right. he's going to do, it seems to change. But to me, you brought this guy in. He knows your system. You've had a couple weeks to train with the guys that are going to be on either side of him. Put him in there. That's my thought. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to kind of plug in a, a, a question here. You mostly answered it. Uh, Justin was asking about uh, the, the arrival of Rossi, and we talked about who goes where and everything. But as far as just pure tactics – Almost like if you remove the names from the jerseys or something, and 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 you were looking at this club with Zellerion in the starting lineup, he's gone. You plug in Rossi. Justin's wondering about how does that look from a coaching standpoint, from a tactical standpoint. Do you think the well, it's going to look a lot different be, just because of the the running that Rossi will do relative to what Lucas did. Um. You'll see Rossi wider than Lucas was, um, and I think you'll see Rossi everywhere more. Than the, Lucas was. I, I and that's not an indictment on. Lucas. I literally would not be shocked to see. We we've talked about the the fluidity of the front three that was Cusho, Christian Ramirez, and and Lucas, and how the kind of free those guys were. You throw Rossi in Lucas's spot, and it's going to look really really wild, especially. Um, with the the Cucho Rossi uh, relationship, well, those guys I think are always going to have an awareness of where the other one is at all times. Um, so that I think will be the the big thing. Tactically, it'll be um, 
I think the biggest maybe thing that you'll notice is the pressing in terms of differences, right? And and how much um, how much Rossi will get after it if teams are really trying to build from that middle third, final third, or uh, their defensive third into middle third, and how much he's going to push guys, especially, um, I would assume, since he'll play with a back three, especially the outside center backs, whichever side he's going to be on, like that guy's going to get get it and is going to be under pressure from him if he does come into the game. Do you think Rossi, you don't think Rossi will be the center like as in terms of a drawing the lineup, you don't think he's the middle guy? No, I think it'd be it'd be Christian Rossi will be um, on the left, Cucho right would so be the three if I were. What's interesting about this, it. and I don't disagree. I think that makes a lot of sense. But, but I would say it doesn't matter. No, in, it doesn't. Once you start playing, it definitely doesn't matter. But the last two games, now granted, the crew have not kicked off. I don't believe from the start from those games, but. Ramirez has played very wide early. Like, even so much that I remember saying to somebody during the game, like, he crosses better than I expected because he was, cr- you know, there were a couple of crosses in there. So I I think it'll be interesting to see just how you kind of line it up. What do you, what do you think about the, to me, I mean, Rossi obviously is his own player. You saw him play at LAFC if you ever watched them play. But, like, I think he could do a lot of what Acosta does for Cincinnati. Like, he, maybe he's not the creator, but, like, he's not been... I mean, he has created, and Rossi did create for L.A. Yeah. But I, I think he could play a, a role like that, because he's almost a, another four. I think Lucho's best comp league-wide is Carlos Heel from, from Revs, okay, in yeah, terms yeah. of uh, when 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 uh, Heel would... Everything is on a half turn, and everything is 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 looking to to break a line, right? And he's not afraid to drift in field to be able to influence the play in their final third. Um, but what's been interesting, and again, I think this uh, it all goes back to their left side, the crew's right side. How much Barial has been influential in allowing um, uh, Acosta a turn in an outlet wide. And then what that has meant for their their ability to play, um, you know, be it Dom Baji or, or Brandon Vasquez or even Brenner when he was still around, right? So um, the it, it's there. I think they're similar, especially though in their goal scoring prowess. It does to to seem to me that Lucho has put more of. Um, both a personal emphasis, but then also I think what Pat has done in terms of ask what they're asking him to do to be a guy that when he gets the ball, it's not like find a facilitating pass and then get in the box. It's been, how can I score from this position? Um, which is, which, which is, is kind of what Lucas did at times. Yeah, right? which is, I, I would say, more similar to what Lucas has done yeah, than maybe yeah, yeah. What, what Rossi did in, at LAFC, which is essentially be the tip of the spear. So um, it, that'll be kind of fascinating um, as time goes on, because the other thing with Lucho that I think I've been really impressed with because um, the buy-in from him has been incredible with FC Cincinnati, but the, the, lay, the legs, the minutes, and the running has been crazy good. He was playing open cup games. Yeah, I mean. so um, 
the that'll be kind of fascinating to watch how they have to manage that as he's the season goes on. He's one of those on. whack-a-mole players where oh he's there, oh he's there, oh he's there, oh he's there. <clears throat> so I mean, really, this this game I think turns on three things: who scores first? Duh. Yeah, that's a big issue with us. Two, accounting for Acosta, and three. Cincinnati's going into this game planning with a lot of unknowns. We look different than we did right. back in May yeah. in terms of personnel. And Lucas not being here, they're going, yeah, well, it's cool that he's not here, but we, we know how to prepare for that. We don't know how to prepare for this. Yeah. And the, the high line is also a factor as well. And the, 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 when I talked about on the being on the half turn, like you're one turnover and a good outlet away from getting smacked because that, that's how good Lucho is. And Vasquez will absolutely run uh, and, and be a willing runner to be able to kind of contribute in that way. And I think to your point about the unpredictability <clears throat> plays into what does the lineup look like? Because if you're playing Camacho, you're playing Gressel, if Amundsen can be that left wing back as opposed to the left center back that, while he may have played that against Cincinnati, what they've seen mostly on film is is the left center back from him. Okay, that's different, right? And so now, not only, you know, whether, whether uh, Rossi starts or not, there's different ways of creating there. Plus, you have to worry about Marrera, stepping out from whatever position he, you know, so <laughs> mm-hmm. right I down the middle. That, uh, yeah, exactly. So I think there's some unpredictability there that you have to prepare for all of these possibilities, right? Because you don't know, because it's been really a month since MLS play. And yeah, Gressel played some, um, but you don't know what Camacho brings to this team. And he does add some height on set pieces. And okay, now you have Gressel sending in corners, which I thought were frankly better than most of what Lucas delivered and not that Lucas you know not taking anything away from his other set pieces but that was always the the issue so yeah I mean I think this game you know take out the hell is real rivalry derby stuff from this game if this were just you're playing x team who happens to be top of the supporter shield and like this is that group I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics going into that and then you know it's also Wilfred Nancy's first game against Cincinnati in terms of the rivalry at home, that I, I would think that means something to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, this, these, I, as this game continues to be played over the years, I think this should be a game that defines coaches on both sides of the rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you went down there, you put in a solid performance, you didn't get the result. I think most crew fans who don't just look at the scoreboard are like, you walked out of that stadium or you turned off your TV and you were like, hey, they, you know, they're one mistake away from at least getting a point out of that game. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe three. And so, one outrageous save away from winning it. Yeah. Too. So, yeah. you know, I think now you're back home, get that back, right? Yeah. Well, um, I like our chances. We have to get all the points here. You know, we're in a battle. We are in a battle on the table. Cincinnati has some breathing room. Yeah. There's enough time for them to get caught, but they have some breathing room. So we certainly have to be the team with the initiative. And that first goal, that's that's everything. It has to be ours. I think it's interesting. I've talked to this about a number of my friends. So the crew, I don't know the numbers, but 
I would say 80% of the home games, just off the top of my head, have attacked the Nordic end first. And I think if you talk to most coaches at ends where, you know, stadiums where the supporters section is the end zone, so to speak, they would rather attack that in the second half, right? You know, it's uh, at Anfield, the cop end, you know, they, they talk about how it pulls mm-hmm. the, the team towards them and things like that. They, I, I, and I keep meaning to ask Wilfried about this and just, you know, other things keep coming up. I Gotta mean, win just, that coin toss. Well, yeah, but like it can't. The game rests on the coin toss. But like, you can't have <laughs> lost the coin toss almost every home game. I mean, you, I guess you could. Like in, in, but in, in terms of odds, like that's not likely. Right. So yeah. I'm curious if maybe there's a reason that he doesn't prefer that. You know, maybe there. You know, maybe he thinks, hey, getting off to the fast start, like you're saying, in in this specific game, is better to have you going towards the Nordic. I don't know. It, it's something I, I hope to remember to ask him here soon. But I wonder how, especially in a game like that. You know, they if Cincinnati went towards the Bailey in the second half, and it messed with Patrick Schulte, who talked about it in the after following game, just like he couldn't hear, couldn't you know they were you know that's a young goalkeeper, he makes a mistake, you know things like that. Yeah, yeah, some things that we don't necessarily think about. Right, something to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Should we make our picks and then uh, dive a little bit more into the mailbag here? Yeah. All right, uh, Sam, make your pick. Two two. Man, what a Buzz Killington over here. Uh, did Bart At least make you started pick? with me. I know his basement is flooded, which sucks. I think I could safe. I think we could all safely make like, Bart's pick. It's like five pick. zero. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Josh Williams scores in the eighty ninth go minute. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't. Bart did not make a pick. That's I think, Yeah. But uh, he's dealing with a lot tonight. Bart. I'm going to say a. 3-1 crew win. Wow. I think that... With a with a 2-1 sweat in the last 10 yeah, minutes? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like, I think it gets... I was just going to say, like, I think it's 2-1 and since he's pushing and then they get maybe a Diego Rossi... There you go. ...counterattack goal. I won't, I won't put that in... For the stadium to lose its effing roof. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, I... I... It's hard to me hard for me to predict against the crew at home this year. It's been a great home atmosphere, and obviously they've been very good. Um, I think this game's going to be nuts, and I just can't. Oh, yeah. I look even if I thought it was going to, you know, I really appreciate what Cincinnati's done. I just can't, I can't pick again in this game. Like, come on, we know it's going to be wildly. It's going to be an excruciating game. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch, but it's, it's going to be a sweat. That's for sure, Brett. 2-0, wow. uh, a goal in each half for the crew. Um, a clean sheet. Are you sure? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel the, the, the analytics folks, uh, if you've been paying attention to Cincinnati, it just feels outrageously unsustainable. Um, right. And the bottom has to drop out a little bit at some point. There's just no way. Um, and I think they... Uh, I think there's a little bit of a letdown from their League's Cup stuff uh, and, and losing uh, to, to Nashville in the manner that they did. So, um, give yeah, give me crew and uh, with a goal in each half. I, I, I got a good feeling about it. And I also think how these teams have handled this time off, right? Like, this isn't True. something you... Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's just a week. Yeah. It's been... All, it'll, by the time it kicks off, it's going to be almost three weeks. Yeah. Um, so... 
you know, what team handled that better to be ready to go out and not just play a soccer game, but play a, a rivalry match, I think will be interesting and, and could, to your point, Brian, play a part in who gets that first goal and who dictates things. Well, I, Brad, I have to respectfully disagree. I, I don't think there's any way in hell there's going to be a clean sheet in this game. It's just going to be too crazy. And, and, and to your point, Murph, uh, the teams are going to come out. And they're going to be a little raggedy and, and uh, mistake-prone. I like a 3-2 crew. Love I think that. I'm just going to flip the score over. I think it's going to be a, a late goal. And I'll take one from Rossi. The place goes nuts. And we go home with the points. But I, I just think it's going to be an end-to-end crazy match. I think it's interesting, and not that this has any barring on how this game plays out, but these big signings that the crew have made recently, Lucas Cucho, uh, they've made significant impacts in their first games, and you know, good point. It wouldn't, you know, again, it doesn't. That does not have anything to do with how right. Rossi will do, whether he starts, comes off the bench, whatever. But you know, you saw what Lucas did in that first game in that 2020 mm-hmm. season. You saw what Cucho did coming off the bench. Was that Chicago? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel something to think about. It. Some sort of mojo out there. All right, we got our picks in real quick. A few more questions, then we'll wrap things up here in the Masterport Podcast. Hey, Jesse, if you think there are good questions, don't hesitate to ask them. We don't. Sam's not going every, every, every week of, can be a mailbag episode. Wait, wait, That's fair. You guys did a great job of answering questions before I asked them, too. So I got to kind of pick and choose here. Jesse writes, Nailed with Morea on an expiring contract and having offers to consider, Will a more attacking role entice him to take less money overseas? Also, since we haven't been able to work out a deal to extend his contract. At some point, is it in the crew's best interest to start working working its best CB trio of the future uh, uh, without him? Do you want to talk about how contract negotiations work? Because I think... <laughs> like it, you don't often get mid-season contract extensions, especially in MLS. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. And then, and then, and then there's another layer beyond that with the with international players. Um, the uh, this will be a fascinating one to watch. One of the one of the more fascinating kind of contract situations um, that I can think of uh, in recent memory with the crew, simply because of Steve's age, the international roster spot that he occupies. Um, and the, the, the pay bump that will come inevitably because of that. Um, uh, and the fact that he has made a significant sacrifice, personal sacrifice, professional sacrifice to play an entirely different position. Um, as a, this is just me speculating, but I think his relationship with Wilfred Nancy is 100% the deciding factor in this. Um, the the French connection there is absolutely huge. I see what you so, did there. So yeah, um, so yeah. I mean, I would not be shocked if if it does. If Stephen feels like uh, Wilfred is in in it for the long haul, I would not be shocked for him to stick around uh, as well. Um, because I I, I I don't know how long Rudy will be here. Um, Camacho's contract is funky. I, there's. Um, End of this year, unless yeah. he's great. So unless he's great. The, yeah, and also there's the, the, there was talk of him um, uh, becoming a naturalized Canadian citizen. Um, that I'd be curious to see if that were to continue, uh, and him trying to kind of be able to play internationally with Canada and that kind of stuff. So I'd be a cer- little bit interested to see how that kind of would, you know, progress. Um, 
and then it's you know what what's your trust in Phil Quinton in terms of a developmental prospect, right? But I think that's the topic we need to talk about when this is done. So uh, yeah, I think it's it it's there there's a there's a handful of influential factors, influencing factors in that situation, but I think by far the biggest is the relationship between Steven and, and Nancy. Um, yes, absolutely. And I think that relationship is good. Really good, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you watch them interact during the game, yes, it can get animated, but it, I think it's it's very positive. Look, I think you, you said sacrifice. I think Steven's loving what he's doing. Like, I, I wouldn't yeah. classify it. I think maybe early Initially, in the year, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I think... Now, does that increase his value to other teams? Maybe, but like, how many teams are playing the way the crew are around the world? I mean, there's definitely some that would love to have a. Yeah, I mean, he could play fullback for anybody, wing back, whatever. But to have a center back that attacks like that, and I think he's really he's taking on this leadership role that I think has been you know, he's essentially the vice captain. I think he's the captain if Nagby leaves. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, to me. Yes, they have to figure some things out. He's he's going to deserve some some money, but to me, he is important for this team going forward, uh, just because of what he offers. Now, if for some reason he does leave, I think you've already seen the very initial hints. Just just turned twenty nine, by the way, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, just turned twenty nine. Yeah. yeah. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. Um, that I think you've seen the very initial hints that they are looking at Mo Farsi as that next guy who could play that right mm-hmm. center back. I don't know about center center back, but I would have said that about Steven at the beginning of the year. Right. But that right center back advance role. He's coming off the bench or been moved there a couple times. Mm-hmm. And look, you bring in Julian Gressel when you really like Mo Farsi. Oh, well, maybe you have something up your sleeve there. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, real quick. Something Brett Matt, I, I saw this on my phone. Patrick from somewhere in Columbus asked uh, about Philip Quentin. Oh, this yeah. has been a rough go. Philip Quentin played for Crew Two on Sunday night. Now Crew Two lost five zero. It wasn't all on Philip Quentin, but this does not look like the player that was playing really well at the end of last year for Crew Two. Started off the season, I thought, playing pretty well for the first team. Um, you know, obviously a young player. You put him in there. You give him this role. You essentially move Jonathan Mensa because you think this is a guy who can play center back for you. And then now he's playing for Crew 2 and not even getting a sniff off the bench. I, You know, confidence, I think, has certainly taken a hit. I also, watching that Crew 2 game last night... I mean, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between a guy who's just, you know, doesn't have it right now and a guy that just doesn't have it. And I think he does have it, but, like, the level is is eventually became too much, I think, for Philip Quinton. And that doesn't mean that he can't get to be a, a good MLS defender because I think he has the traits, the physical abilities to do it. But, I mean... The, this is a how the mighty have fallen kind of situation. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I, I think there's that's part of the purpose of crew too, right? Yeah. Of MLS Absolutely. next, and and Matt is asking about that as well. Essentially, how concerned should we be in comparing last season to this season with crew two? 
is there a, a cause for worry, or is this just part of the process? Well, okay, so last year's Crew 2 was, I think, a bit of an anomaly from what you'll see most years in that, first of all, they were one of few the few MLS teams that like really took it seriously and you know not only brought up academy guys, but went and got a Jason Russell Rowe and a Mo Farsi from other teams' academies that they just kind of weren't paying attention to. And it was, obviously, they had connections back there with Bez and, and Corey Ray and things like that. But um, and, and there were other guys throughout the year. This year's Crew 2 team, A, is playing in a slightly more competitive league, not only because other teams are paying more attention to it, but there's also more teams. Every team now has a, a second team. But... Um, it's a very young team. I mean, the, the man of the match two games ago uh, for, for the Crew 2 when, when they won in penalty kicks was Taha... Uh, come on, Brett. You got this? Uh, do, it, do it, baby. Pepperoni. No, uh, I'll pull it up here. He's a 15-year-old who they signed come actually on, as we were driving home from the Cincinnati match the last time. Um, and... He look, you're Taha, hey Brune, H A B R O U N E. Sam, yeah. could, Sam, could you give him the correct pronunciation, please? Well, that's nothing. Taha. Sacramento has like a five-year-old playing for them now, don't they? Yeah. But my point is, <laughs> but my, yeah. But my point is, six foot two, thirteen-year-old. Weird how that works. <laughs> He's well, Freddie Adu is pretty tall when he was fourteen. Uh, I'm just mad because I Allegedly. was fourteen also. Um, but no, my po- my point is this is a very young team. Now you do have a guy like Noah Fusan. You do have um, some of those guys from last year's team still there, and those guys are are you know solid. But what this what the point of this really is is yeah you'll you'll sign some guys like Jason Russell Rowe and, and Mo Farsi. But I think those guys are going to be harder to come by. What you're going to need is to sign guys to your academy, and it's not just. And I don't, be, I don't know if people know this. So the Academy isn't just Central Ohio or Ohio. Or, like, Aiden Morris is originally from Florida. They brought him here. He had a host family. That's why Jake Morris was out in Seattle. Um, you know, so, like, you can recruit. And it, it's important, and it's going to be more important going forward, to recruit guys from around the country to come Kinda play. Kind like college recruiting that. Yes, but even uh, you're recruiting them in, at... I mean, very young age. Yeah, if like heard, how if you've heard around the league, people talk about discovery rights and paying for discovery rights. This is what we're talking about. What those people are talking about. Right. Yeah. And but even I mean, like I don't think Aiden Morris was a guy you had to discover because you discovered him, right? Like they right. just they just signed the kid. They essentially moved him here. I don't know how it all works. I don't know what the te- I don't want to say the wrong term yeah. to get them in trouble. But so my point is that yes, a you need to have good players in and around Central Ohio. B, you need to have good recruitment. And I think they've put investment into this academy. I would not say that... If you look in Europe, the teams that... Now, it's different because of the different amounts of money there, but it's not always Manchester City that wins the English, you know, reserve league, essentially. Now, they are very good at it, but and Chelsea, very good at it. But, like, sometimes an Aston Villa has three or four years of really good run, you know, just to use an example, West Ham used to be the best team in England at developing Joe Cole, Rio Ferdinand, uh, Frank Lampard, John, you know, like the, a bunch of these guys, you know, then they go elsewhere. Correct. And like, as a crew, you don't necessarily need to sell these guys, especially if MLS sticks with what we're doing. But my point is like, you, 
if you have a good recruitment system, which I think the crew do, then you should be fine. And I think Wilfred Nancy only emphasizes that fact. Scott, uh, in a related question, asks, uh, on the roster of Crew 2, who do you see making the step to the first team next season, if anyone? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Look, a year ago, at the start of the season, if you had asked me this question, I would have been like, no one. Obviously, that was not the case, and injuries helped facilitate that. But, you know, Mo Farsi and Jason Russell Rowe have proven to be really good players uh, for this team, but or at least good players for this team. I think it's hard to predict right now because the level is so different. If you, I mean, Brett, you can you can test it. Like the just watching an MLS Next Pro game, I mean, it's from last year to this year. No, or just, just from general? MLS Next Pro to MLS. Oh, okay. Like the jump is is pretty yeah. big, um, and just it, you know, the speed of play. Like guys have so much more time, so like. To judge whether or not a guy can make that jump, I think takes a pretty trained eye. Um, I mentioned Taha. That's a kid that they are very excited about. But that's not next year. You know, this is no. in a few years from now. Yeah. Now, he did make his first team debut in the Open Cup, which I questioned whether or not maybe that was part of the, like, we're going to sign you now, but you'll get at least one first team appearance because maybe there was some interest from other, other places. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, this team, because it's mostly so young and or guys that weren't necessarily going to make the jump from last year's team, I think we're still a few years away from seeing like that influx. And again, I think it's important to mention most of the time you have one, maybe two guys from a class, so to speak, from an age group that can make it to the first team. Sure. It's tough. Maybe, you know, maybe, yeah. So like... Look, you could have the best academy in the world. Again, Manchester City, I think, is, is a prime example. Barcelona, another great example. Like, it's very rare that those guys make it through. You know, there are a few guys. The world is covered with can't-miss kids who, you know, for, they're so young. And they wash out. And some of them, I imagine, never recover yeah. up between the ears. Because yeah, their dream was happen or? their dream, yeah, their dream was to play Manchester United or for Manchester United. Watch the FA Cup; you'll see teams from, you know, the second level, the third level, and going back to the to, to uh, you know six levels deep, and they'll talk about players. Yeah. This Out guy this kid, came this up through the Manchester City Academy, and now he's playing for Lincoln City. Mm. It, Still playing, but those dreams just never came true. The odds are overwhelmingly yeah. against anyone who puts on that uniform. Definitely I, in Europe. I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I don't necessarily think they're overwhelming here domestically. No, but but, it's but still they not, are still very high, yeah. right? Because you're competing with guys getting brought in internationally. There's still the college stuff. Like. The, to me, the big thing is, is and I, I think you touched on this, is that the because it's so hard, the fact that the the quality of play from what MLS Next did last year to this year has improved. Keep them there, man. Like like the that's that's 
That's what the, it's for. There's there's no reason to bring up mm-hmm. a kid to not play on the first yeah. team. Well, I mean, like that was Caleb's philosophy. Yeah, he just had to do it. Right. So the, to to me, like to, so the to the if I were to answer the question, the answer is zero. Maybe no if who's on perhaps, but pre- nobody. Right. To keep him there, let them keep developing games. I think if if anything, what that last year, what last year's team proved is what live fire means in development regardless of where it actually might mm-hmm. be happening and what mm-hmm. level it might be happening yeah so there's there's no reason for me to bring anybody up from this group i would even say maybe next year that from from what that current crop looks like unless right. some guys age out of the league but the uh or age out of their contracts i should say not not their league but the so i think it's it's if, if the name of the game is development to supplement the first team roster and then perhaps at, because of sell-on clauses with transfer fees to make money off of that initial investment six, mm-hmm. seven years from now, yeah. why, don't bring up a 17-year-old. And 17 it's still taking old. shape, yeah. too. Right. You know, this is still a work in progress for the league to have a more formal academy program for all the clubs totally to agree. have a pipeline. Yeah. And it's been sort of patchwork forever. And, and now it's getting organized, and that's part of being an upper-level league in the world. You yeah. have to have this system in place. Totally and that's what we're seeing now. I mean, on, imagine yeah. an Aiden Morris getting, instead of having to go to Indiana for a year to play college soccer, he plays under, what, would that have been Greg or Caleb's first year, maybe? I don't remember exactly what year he was in college. He's uh, Greg's 21, last year, maybe? 22, so it would have been Caleb's first year. Caleb's first year. So yeah. just imagine, you know, instead of going to Indiana to play college soccer, or Sebastian Burhalter, like all any of those guys that have gone on to make it, like, you just are in crew two for a year, and you maybe have the chance to make your first yeah. team debut because you're good enough. It'll be fascinating. That's a that's a something to kind of keep an eye on. A hashtag watch this space kind of thing is is what does MLS next do to Division one college soccer? My what, guess is well, it's similar it blows to it the hell well, it's similar what to what academy happen. teams did to high school soccer. Yeah. I mean, when I was in towards the end of my high school soccer career was when. The Crew Academy was really actually a thing, not just a team that was sponsored by the crew that you got a crew shirt to, but like this was actually Academy with, uh, you know, you were starting to get that pathway. It was I think it was the year after I graduated when it really started, but it's changed high school soccer in, mm-hmm. in Central Ohio, you know, even Whoa, more than Central catch. Ohio. Unbelievable grab! Uh, but beer I, went awol there. Tried to, and Murph just snatched it like Marvin Harrison are Jr. Still there, man. Catch radius was out. Are the you a goalie on the GC? No, no, I'm very team. much not. We need wow. one of those, actually. If anyone out there look at me. wants to play, um, now I lost my train of thought. With you want to play over thirty D League? I am over thirty. Everywhere. Well, I was going to say that college athletics is doing a great job of blowing itself. That's up. That's very true. Uh, one more that we got to go because I just like this. We, we kind of touched on these, but real quick, you can even say yay or nay. Scott sent in a list of players. Are they going to be here next year or not? Evan Bush. Nay. Yay. Okay. Rudy Camacho. Whoa, let Sam answer. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sam. I know. I've been so quiet. I know. Just, I'm waiting no, for I'm you. Sh- go ahead. What'd you say? Oh, I yeah. said not likely. Not okay. like okay, Rudy Camacho. No, no, maybe. Uh, Jimmy Madranda. 
Who? Uh, um, I'm, I'm going to ask them for a milk carton back behind the counter. What's his, his picture? Did, what is his? Is his? Is he two plus one, or was it a one I, and a half? I think he is a two plus one. Yeah. So, 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 so that's yes. a yes. Probably yeah. just because I, he me is back. I could be wrong, but I don't think he was on that list of free agents that came out the other day, right? What a weird season. He scores that the goofy Grant, goal. The Grant Lillard contract, crew yeah. defend, defender contract. Love that. Grant, he scores yeah. that goofy goal against what? Atlanta? You right? How much money Seattle. Grant Lillard Seattle. made? That's right. It was against Seattle. And then he just disappears. Grant Lillard made a lot of money to not do anything. <laughs> well, there's something Hell to be yeah. said for that. So dope. This, so next, dope. this next one, I think we answered last week, and it pained us to talk about it. Kevin Molino. No. 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 It's too damn bad. Well, we already kind of touched on Darlington Nagby, but let's just enter our definitive answers again. Definitive answer? Yes. I'm going to say yes. Yes. That's a 50-50. Like, yeah. it could easily go either I way. Can just, I, I can see him walk away commit. and be yeah. cool with it. But I, I, I think for me... This is a, it's the classic head head or a heart answer here, because my heart says, absolutely yeah. And my head says no bleeping away. Yeah. Well, so I, I was gonna say this, and then we kind of transitioned away from Darlington earlier. Like, he is the guy. Now, granted, he's thirty three, so that's not a weird year to retire. But like, that is a little early for a guy. Look, in the Minnesota game, he twice. Outraced a 22, 23 year old to a ball that got cleared out of the the crew's attacking end, and actually I was just surprised he even came. He got subbed out. We talked about it last week because the penalty kicks, but like he didn't look to be tired. Right. So like to me, this is a guy who can continue playing if he wants mm-hmm. to. And like, but he is the weird guy, like he did with the national team type stuff. And and there's a lot that goes into that. But like, he'd just be like, yeah, I'm gonna go hang out with my family. We're gonna move back to Lakewood and. That, that's you it. You know what his situation is. I think he's here next year, though. All right. Josh Williams. He's out of contract. No. Unfortunately. I, I just don't see it happening. I, think no, I, can, done, I, I haven't. This is just me speculating, but I think a done done there, maybe. Yeah, I think I think he probably goes into, like, academy coaching or something. Yeah. Uh, so, if you read on Mass Report, when I talked to Josh earlier, he is very interesting in coaching, interested in coaching, but he also is very interested in, like, you know, having weekends and kind of a normal schedule sure. to life that he's pretty much never had. And he said, like, that is something that really he sees the work that these not only the crew coaches, oh, a ton of but work. the academy coaches, the, the crew two coaches like put in. And he's like, you know, do I really want to just keep that going? So it'll be interesting. Uh, Josh Williams has a longstanding offer to uh, sign for a GCG bag um, that. I brought up to him on more than one occasion, and he hasn't said no yet. So, what does that pay? What's the bonus structure? Appearance, appearance bonus structure. Wouldn't you guys like to know? All right. That there is, there's no offer on the table. Then you can only uh, play on certain sports barn fields. This is a two-parter. They're all the same now. Uh, forgive me, whoever sent in this question, because uh, I'm looking at two different pages here. But they asked if Luis Diaz is in the doghouse or just not playing because he's not playing. So this one's interesting because I it's a it's a good example of the weird transfer differences between kind of continental uh, continental leagues and all of that. I really don't know. Um, on some level, I could I could see it being a little bit of a um, 
Perry Kitchen situation with what what the crew did, which was buy him out, but then they kept him around and he trained with the first team and nobody knew for like nine months. Um, I don't really know with with Luis. I, I still think there's a lot to offer. The burst is unquestionably still there. Um, uh, but I I don't I don't know if I think I, I, I should say I should say I am not entirely convinced that he's valued or rated by Nancy. But so, he's a, but that's a different thing than saying he's in the dog house I, I for something not, he did. I don't or think he's in the dog He's definitely not. He's just he doesn't have a role on this team. Right. I think when, if Yao would have not come on as he has this year and Matan have not come on as he has this year, he might have gotten more. Yeah sub playing time yeah. but I think their emergence plus the injury plus the injury their emergence I think affected that plan mm-hmm. drastically for yeah, not, I for would agree with that so uh, does he come back uh, I don't know what his contract situation no. is but they, like, I'm assuming his list one, so his list says done. free agents so okay. I think then, he's yeah. done Yeah, he has he does not have a role on this team because he's not a wing back he, he like Yao made the transition good enough they, you just signed Gressel. You've seen what they want out of Gressel and Farsi. He doesn't do enough, in my mind. He's yeah. a natural winger. Agreed. Last name on the list. And this guy, I haven't thought of in months, Julian Greaser. I think it was an autocorrect problem. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> look, my understanding <laughs> is that it took me a minute to... It's like, oh, yeah, duh. My, my understanding is that the intent is to bring back Gressel. Regard like Camacho, but not Creaser, not Creaser, uh, but uh, to bring him back and make him a part of this team. Now, you mentioned twenty nine, so yeah. like you're in your you're in your peak right now. Yeah, how long do you give a contract to and, and things like that? I think are interesting. Two plus one, two plus one, two plus one front loaded with um uh with uh that last year being like a max right back contract. Um, so essentially giving you the option, right? So um, the uh, the big thing for me with him is, so German, right? But naturalized U.S. citizen while playing for the U.S. men's national team. So the fact that he doesn't, doesn't uh, occupy an international roster spot is really, really massive for the crew. Um but I like I for me like if you were to say a three and a half, three technically would be a three with a fourth option. I would love that too. I I think he's the best right back in MLS. So yeah, let give, me ask give you, me give me all the Julian Gressel con- contract. Let me ask you guys each this, and this is entirely unprompted. Um, if there is one player on the roster who we have not mentioned, who is not back next year. Who do you think it is? For this what, is a trick for, question. For whatever reason. because This I have is a, a trick guy. question because you're going to say Aiden Morris, aren't no, you? No, 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 that's not the guy I was thinking, but I think that there's a legitimate argument there. Hmm. So... Do you want me to give mine first? I, so, I think my answer is Cucho Hernandez. Okay. Um, that was my answer, too. The... Yeah. I think the... Val, the uh, on some level... Especially if he continues to put in the season that he, it, it appears that he is trending towards, the, they have to explore his value in the international transfer market. That January window might be really wild this year um, in Europe. Um, 
I think it's Cucho uh, would be 1A, but I think 1B is Aiden Morris. To, to your Cucho, I, I think a lot of it plays out, and I don't think they were expecting what they're getting from Christian Ramirez right now. Yeah. Um, and two, how Diego Rossi plays. And then I think that really that really kind of affects that. But I think, yeah, Cucho, I think Cucho's not long for this team, unfortunately. And keep an eye, keep an eye not on... Not because they don't want to keep him. It's because he's going to get right. bought and keep out. An eye, keep, an eye on the Mexican, keep an eye on the Mexican teams. The, 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 big, the big four and a half there, um, mm. depending on who you ask. Keep an eye on that as well. Dot, dot, dot. Do you want to go or do you want me to go? You haven't said your player yet? Correct. I thought you did. I did not. Yeah, I thought you said Cucho. No, they said Cucho. Oh, they're putting words in your mouth. I thought I you know. agreed but with that. No, no, no. All right, go we, ahead. We agreed on Cucho. I think it could be Christian Ramirez. Yep. I think that's a guy who could get, like an MLS team could come in, or maybe even not an MLS, you know, uh, like an Aberdeen, you know, so, so something along that level of like, Oh, this guy really produced in an in a attacking system. We can put him in that same. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, he's not young, so I don't think it's. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Now, does he want to leave? Do, you know, all that comes into effect. But Cucho um, is. I, I can see that as well. I mean, yeah, that yeah. wasn't the first kick. So, so Christian is on a two-year through twenty twenty-four yeah. club option, twenty twenty-five. Okay. Oof. And finally, that might be but, tough. If you, but if that if, one might be tough. But if. I mean, you know, there's there's a guy that like while he's been very good, can you replace? You can right. replace that probably you, fairly. Easily? I would say you can replace the potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but obviously, his output this year has outweighed the potential by fifty x. Career right. year, yeah. But like, if right? you if you think right. if oh, you think question. this is to your point, Brian, you think this is the max for him or a repeatable effort? Yeah. yeah. Can you can you? Will another team get that? Well, can we sell hot? You yeah. Know, type of thing. Yeah. That, that's kind of my thought. Yeah. All right. And finally, I got wait, this. Wait, who's your guy? Who do you think? I I think it's probably Cucho. Okay. Um, especially if he finishes strong. Yeah. If he goes on a goal jag, and we've been waiting for him to really score in volume, and we have, really haven't seen that yet this year, um, and there were the injury problems and so forth. But if he finishes strong, then you know it probably is a sell high. I so can I see him. Cucho. I can see him breaking the MLS transfer free record if he finishes on a hundred. Do we know what that is? Do you do you have? Uh, it would be uh, Almiron. Which is, I want to say, 25. Miguel Amaron from Atlanta. Four or five years ago now, right? Yeah. So, so factoring in for inflation. Uh, I'll tell you who needs a finisher yeah. is Wolves. They let a lot of chances go. There's a Premier League today. team that I think would absolutely overpay yeah. for, for Like show. Watford. Well, they're not why in not? the Premier they're League. They're not in the Premier League, but why not? Then the championship. All right, one more, and then we got to go. I got this question a couple times worded different ways, but where do we finish? We're in sixth right now. So are they really in sixth? I, they're, they're, I think they second place team. Um, I think they just kind of keep moving it. Um, but I, as much as I, I, I just think there's too much of a gap with what Cincy is, has currently that I don't see anybody catching them. Um, second in the regular season. And then 
I don't really feel super comfortable predicting. We're talking the Eastern Conference, yes. correct? Yeah. I don't, I don't feel super comfortable predicting a playoff situation because of the different format. I don't think that we, we have, have to touch on that right now. Let's just, just focus on the regular Because I think the playoffs are going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fairly convinced that. It was like, what's the biggest meltdown that you would have expected to happen this year? Like, the playoffs are going to be kind of low-key weird. Yeah, I um, agree. Second place, though, for in the Eastern Conference. Coming okay. up maybe uh, like five to seven shy of Cincy. Sam? Um, I'm going to say top four in the playoff teams. No, Obviously not one. first. Oh, exact one? Yeah. I'll say fourth. Fourth, all right. Also fourth. Fourth? I think that's kind of where I'm leaning to. Yeah, if you look at it, I think since he gets the East, and then you've got that. I mean, well, obviously, the New Orlando's going to drop. They're not going to keep rolling the way they are, right? Yeah, so, yeah right. Yeah, Orlando's the team. What I think, about Miami? Well, they've got, a, they've got a pretty long hill to. I, I think on. this. Look, I, when we first talked about this a few weeks ago, I thought the gap was too big. I have now watched Miami been be incapable of losing. And some of that has to do with Messi just being great. Some of that has to do with the way that Miami's being officiated, which I think is a very real thing. And, like, look, the athletic – we talked about this, that on this podcast. I think it was when you and I were doing it that, Brett, uh, that, look, the league was – there had to be a way to officiate <laughs> Messi differently. Bless, Bless you. Um, and they have. And, look, that's led to dangerous free kicks around the top of the box or penalty kicks – at least, they, at least two goals now. Yeah, that that, so, they, that they've scored look, because of they. It. Miami is currently on 18 points with 22 games played, and we have 36. They need to get to play. 30 to match DC, who is in ninth. And DC's played two more games and have no more taxi Fuentes. So, yes, don't let the door hit you, bud. but yeah. my point is like, while that seems like a big gap, with I mean, look, assuming he stays healthy. That team stays relatively healthy. How many turf he, he matches did, is he He did miss, injure though? his ankle, apparently, in practice today yeah. or yesterday. He oh. plays. They play at Charlotte in the League's Cup. Does he play on turf? I know. No, he's it's not. It's the League's Cup semifinal. He plays, he plays so. 10 minutes, gets a foul at the top of the box, scores a goal. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, look, to your, to your point... I think Miami is certainly in the mix for the playoffs. They, and, and the messy stuff, like take the fouls and stuff out of it. They've looked really good. Yeah, they've been right. a fun team to watch and they've been really good. Well, but should be for me, for me, for the crew, if I were to pick the top four, Cincy, I think Philly gets second, Nashville, the crew, and New England. Okay. Would be the way that I would do it. Those top five. All right, very good. Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for the great questions. You made our job so that was easy. Awesome. What, time, what time we got here, Sam? Let's do it again. Uh, 94 minutes so far. That's wow. a good one, guys. It's actually, you carried the, the show. The exact Thank same you for all the great questions. The exact same amount of time that I ran, uh, that uh, Jonathan T-Bone and myself ran our quarter marathon last week. Well, Sam writes, should we like and subscribe the, to the Massport Podcast? You and the answer is yes, Sam. like and subscribe. Please do that. Like and subscribe. Thank you, Saucy Brew Works. Oh, and actually leave us comments and ratings, too. I oh, mean, please. Yeah. Thumbs up. It doesn't up. hurt, either. And questions. We're always, you know, we should do this more often. Those were yes. great questions. We might so have to institute this as a often. permanent segment sure. in the Massive Report Podcast. I absolutely agree. So keep those questions coming. We'll do our best to answer them. And we'll answer a lot of questions about Sunday's Hell is Real when we talk to you next week on the Massive Report Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>